This being Wednesday, uh, after the 11 o'clock news hour, it's time for Left, Right, and Center. Pleased to welcome, as we often do, I can't say always because we don't always have the same people, but pleased to welcome Marion Boyd and Robert Metz. Nice to have both of you with us today. Nice Hello, to be here. Today's program a little bit different, perhaps. Uh, I got a um, an email the other day, and I apologize for not having it with me, but my the nerds won't like to hear this, but I'm having a problem with my printer. Couldn't print. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Here is the gist of the message from the listener. I had commented a couple of days ago about something that I had uh, raised before, and that was the um, possibility of saying to young, unwed teenage moms, the 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, the possibility of society saying to them, and I know it wouldn't be easy, we'd have to change legislation, I'll, let's assume that we could do that, to say to these young women, listen, what you have done, in spite of certain sociological uh, um, elements that would say, good for you, you know, way to go. This really is probably not in the best, best interest of you or that baby or society. And um, while you might think it's a pretty neat thing to do, we don't. So here's the deal. You find a responsible adult to take responsibility for both you and that child for X number of years, whether it's until the child reaches the age of majority or whether it's until you are established in a career or whatever it is, but we decide, we predetermine that it's X number of years, and if you cannot find someone to do so, no, we are not going to give you an apartment of your own, and no, we're not going to give you a welfare check, and no, we're not even going to force you to go to school. We're simply going to take that child, as the CAS does in some cases now, we're going to take that child out of your custody because you have no business trying to pretend that you can raise that child and we're going to give that child to one of the literally thousands of couples in this country who are are praying every night to be moved up on the list of adoption couples who are ready to adopt who have been checked out who've been vetted as much as we can who are who are desperate for families want families have warm loving homes waiting and and uh, that's going to be much better ultimately for you and for your child anyway the person didn't go into that length. Just said what you were saying today about such and such. So why don't you raise that in left, right, and center? I'd like to hear what your guests have to say about that and whether there are other alternatives other than to continue. And the word she used was the largesse towards these. And another word she used, irresponsible children. So, Marion, where do we go from there? Is that an alternative? I don't believe so. I think it's a violation of people's human rights. I think we need to go to the uh, to the root issues uh, as to why we appear to be either stuck or even seeing an increasing number of of young people. But well, before we go um, any farther, why, why is that an infringement of their human rights when the CAS, if you have children and you abuse the children repeatedly and you don't provide them with the necessity of life and so on, the CAS can come in and take those kids permanently That's away correct. from you? That's correct. If you are proven in a court of law to have done any of those things, then yes, the judge can order that the CAS retain uh, wardship of the child. That doesn't necessarily mean the child goes up for adoption, even in those cases. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a, a, a process in which someone's legal rights are only abrogated when they have uh, endangered a child, either through neglect or through abuse. I guess the quick question then is, what about the rights of the baby to enjoy as many advantages as possible? Advantages that, 
And not in every case, but in many cases, the child simply is not going to enjoy, even though we will give the young mother well, an apartment and welfare payments and all of that. Look, you know, the, the child is not going to enjoy uh, a, a very uh, good chance, uh, uh, given the current uh, uh, services that are available to those mothers. I mean, I will give credit where it's due, this, this uh, idea of providing all these supports uh, that the government has has announced in terms of of teenage uh, parents uh, is a good one if it's if it's adequately resourced because in fact what we want to do is is not punish people but encourage them to be productive citizens both the child and the the parent in that case and many of uh, many young people who find themselves in this predicament have not been parented particularly well themselves uh, one of the most common reasons that we hear about uh, this is is simply that people don't don't know about birth control, don't know uh, about that kind of thing. It seems hard for us to understand in this day and age, but it's but, true. But Marianne, there are and the second one is that they they choose to do this because they're so lonesome, they feel so disconnected, they think if they have a child of their own, then somebody will love them forever. But there were also kids, and, and I have two nieces who are now in their 20s, but when they were in their teens, I remember talking with them about this, and several of their friends had babies, and not certainly not all of them, but some of them, because I remember the discussion very clearly, some of them did it just because they thought it was, it'd be kind of neat. It'd be kind of neat to have a baby, and everybody kind of fuss over them. They weren't necessarily kids from disadvantaged homes uh, economically or emotionally, and, uh, and it wasn't necessarily about having somebody to love me all the time. Well, let me put it this way. There are lots of couples who probably shouldn't be parents. There are lots of couples who don't actively abuse or neglect their children, but who aren't very good parents. And we've talked about but that. How on many this of them are 15 or 16 years old? Uh, well, how many of them are mentally 15 and 16, even if they're chronologically 28 or 36? I mean, I don't know the answer to that. If we start, if we go down a slippery slope of making a determination that a certain class or group of people who are old enough to to uh, to bear children don't have an opportunity to make a choice among what they're going to uh, among a, a number of different possibilities there are lots of of young women who do uh, still decide that adoption is a good is a good deal uh, there are many who do not and who listen to those who have been adopted in the past or have been birth mothers in the past and we know that there's a huge amount of of pain and stress for both the adoptee and the birth parent in in many cases where adoptions have occurred it's not this is not a black and white issue you don't necessarily save children by adopting them out because however kind that household might be if that child feels that somehow they've been rejected that somehow they don't know where they really belong their roots have been torn up there is really good uh, research evidence to show that they never adjust appropriately no matter how excellent the parenting is Robert what's your take on it I have to make a few assumptions here, so let me just bounce your question back at you again. You're sort of saying young, unwed mothers. So young, by that you mean under 18, I assume. Mm -hmm. Unwed, by that you mean not necessarily unmarried, but no partner. No partner. Um, and you're talking about asking them to find a responsible adult or demanding that they find one and Ins then insisting that someone in the community and i'm uh, let me back like, up see, too i'm not i don't know whether i disagree or agree with marion yet depends on how okay. you how you word that well, question i just want to i just want to say that i i don't necessarily think this is the be all and end all solution either but it's no. a solution that isn't talked about and it's one that i think has some elements to recommend it although has some negatives too um would there be an insistence that someone step forward yes 
some there would be an insistence that in order for this young woman so you're and, not and, talking and, and, about and, like work workfare no, no, where, no. where there's an exchange like you're not saying that what we're going to do is withdraw the social support in exchange for doing this you're not that's not even part of your question no i'm saying that in in a broad in, in for the sake of the discussion today i'll i'll put it this way a responsible adult comes forward and says i will accept responsibility for that baby that baby will not be a burden on society so the so the responsible adults uh role in your in your scenario here is to prevent the social system from having to tax us to pay for this person is that basically yeah it? i think that uh, that would be um, one one result of it yes uh, i i could see that as a step in the right direction i don't know that i would be looking to find a responsible adult i'd rather see the pressure put on creating or making a responsible adult out of the person who is exactly. already okay uh, exactly. no and and and, and entered quite, into an adult uh right situation quite, if frank, you know what I mean. quite frankly i think i would i think the three of us would be in agreement with that if we're talking about a proto-adult a 16 17 year old we are now seeing girls as young as 14, and certainly physically these days, women can... Uh, we can always have this, Jim. Yeah, but th th I understand, Marianne, maybe you know maybe you know more about the numbers that you I know. have, but, but they're, it's, they're getting younger and younger. What do we do when we start to have a, a, a wave of 12 and 13-year-olds well, instead about of 16 rights, and 17-year-olds? If we're talking about rights, you know, people under 18 technically don't have a full accord of rights. They have limited rights. And so to say that we're violating their rights might be a bit of a misnomer, too, because we're talking about a right they don't have. Uh, the only party in this whole exchange, especially where the government's involved, who's having a right violated, are the taxpayers who are being forced to subsidize this kind of thing, and uh, who are looking for alternatives like this so that they cannot, so that they won't be forced to continue to have their rights violated, and so that we get rid of incentives to, for for young people to act like this. I know of many cases myself where very young kids uh, had kids themselves, not because they were in a bad home or a situation, but because it was a way of getting out of the house. And they knew that if they, you know, fell into this category of being an unwed mother, that, that the government would help them out and, and give them all these benefits that, you know, normal uh, working people can't get. And those are the people who are being forced to subsidize the rest. So I can see where the problem is. There may be a minority of people who make a conscious decision to do that in that way, Robert. And there may well be. Uh, although the, the research generally shows that, in fact, it's not the business of getting supports and, and that sort of thing. It's the, it's the whole issue of being able to, to, to create your own environment and have somebody who is going to unconditionally love you. And th I think that's, that's one of the tragedies of this. Because, of course, those of us who are parents know that as a parent... Uh, so no you're saying that the majority of children who have children are being responsible? Is that what you're trying no, to no, tell me? No, no, I didn't me? say that. Oh. No, I don't think they're being responsible about their sexuality. On the other hand, they may not, they may not have the knowledge they need to be responsible about their sexuality. I'm saying that they don't consciously say, I am going to go out and get pregnant so that I can get welfare and, and, and get out of the house. I don't believe at all that that's a majority of young women who find themselves in this situation. I really don't. We have no idea how many young women who find themselves in this situation well, in does it fact, matter if, if in fact are, the, are the victims of sexual assault. We know the figures on date rape. We know that there is coercion involved very often with, with, with young women uh, in, in one form or another. So we don't even know what the proportion of that is. Well, if you're talking I about think rape, we're making, that's a different subject entirely. No, no, it's not. Because you don't know. 
of the statistics of, of teenage mothers. Well, surely many that's got to be a minority. I mean, willing, are you telling me that rapes are a greater majority if, than the if, people who uh, decided to have kids uh, for uh, the reasons I suggested? Among, I, I can't believe that. Among prepubescent and pubescent women, the incidence of, of coercion in sexual relationships is extraordinarily high according to the research. But it always has been. When I was a teenager, I mean, the, the guys were all saying, come on, and the girls were all saying, well, good girls don't. I mean, there's nothing new about that, but we do. What's new is we're seeing, or maybe we're not seeing, are we actually seeing more, more pregnancies I don't believe today? we are, first of all. I don't believe proportionately we are. We may be seeing a slight increase uh, toward the end of the 90s from the low that we, we went to when birth control was first mm -hmm. being, being talked about. We may, in fact, proportionately see some increase in that. What we are seeing is that when girls get pregnant, they no longer go away and hide. Mm -hmm. And we actually know about them. The, 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 the admitted incidence appears to be higher to us because, Jim, when you and I were growing up, I mean, we know lots of people who disappeared oh, yeah. Went for, to a, for a year. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and who, who continue to, to uh, in, in many cases, as we know from the stories of birth mothers who've searched for their children, continue to feel guilty about having hidden that situation and having given up their children. Mm -hmm. So this goes, this goes two ways. We can't assume that because someone is young, they're going to be a bad parent. We can't assume that because someone is young, uh, that they are not going to be a responsible and productive adult if they're given opportunities well, we to can be. assume that. Though, if they're that, 14 or 15, though, I mean, you made the point the other day, Marilyn, that at 14, a woman is still, or a girl is still very much a girl, that there's an awful lot of growing to do. And we are seeing 13 and 14 and 12-year-olds having babies and keeping the babies. Yes, we are. And, and I think there's a little question there in terms of child protection, because both the parent and the baby are children. And I think if you talk to Children's Aid Society workers, there's a great concern about who they're mandated to protect and what exactly they can do to, to, to make life possible for young mothers who themselves are children under the meaning of our child protection laws. I think that's a very serious issue, and I think that's one that should be looked at. I do believe that uh, having a responsible adult, if if the child having the child has parents who are able to do that that's very often what happens and in fact the mother and the child are raised together and 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 that 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 sometimes solves some of the solution some of the problem we have to pause for a moment when we return lines are open as they always are six four three twelve ninety star twelve ninety on the cancel and our live email into the studio jchapman at imessaging.net we'll be back to continue our discussion with marion boyd and bob metz on twelve ninety cjbk 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel. Marion Boyd and Bob Metz with us, and Gil's up. Hello, Gil. Hi, how you doing? Fine, thank you. Hi, Marion. Hi, Bob. Hi. Hi, Gil. Yeah, I like uh, just to uh, look at this question a little different way. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that this is another attack on people on welfare, and the objective is to cut back on funding for social services. And I think people are missing the big point, which is that most people on welfare are there because there aren't enough jobs. They're adults. They're not. They're not. Well, they're, yeah. You get, you've made this point before. I think we all understand well, your point. Do you have something to add to yes, our discussion I do, I today? Do, okay. And I, I think that uh, by focusing on these this small percentage of cases, you, it allows you to discredit the whole welfare system. Well, I, that's not what we're trying to do, Gil. So I. Okay. I, I well, let me let me let me put it this way. Mm -hmm. What if this person who was pregnant, who was 
12, mm-hmm. was a rich person, okay, mm-hmm. from a rich family. Yes. There's a double standard here because that rich person, <laughs> it wouldn't be a social problem. That's right. no, no one would, they would get their nanny to take care of the child. Yeah. It, would, it would all be covered up. That person who, who was wealthy, who was 12, no matter what the circumstances, nobody sticks their nose into their business. Nobody says anything. They all say it's wonderful because this person is rich. Because they don't, there's no need for society to stick its nose in. Isn't that ultimately what it's all about? No, because you got you, you don't you don't want society sticking its nose into your business when it's not necessary. But see, it's a double standard because if the person's on welfare, we can stick our nose into their business and we, and they have no rights well, and we can take their children away. No, well, it's not the minute that with this was a very specific case, a very specific type of case we were talking about here today. But but the point is that if you're on welfare, it's a double standard because you have. What, what this person was suggesting in their email was that you have no rights, we'll take your child away from you whether you want it or not, which is an outrageous concept. But if that child, if the woman were, were from a wealthy family, then she has all kinds of rights and all kinds of options. And the fact that you're pregnant when you're poor and you're 12 is a big crisis in your life. It may take you 20 years to get out of that. You might have to go to university with the child and, and take years and years to get a, get a job and, and recover from that. If you're wealthy, it's no big deal because you just get the nanny to take care of the kid. And, and of course, I'd, I'd like to point out, Gil, that of course we already uh, discriminate against people uh, uh, in this in this category by denying a, a, a sexual relationship to people who are on, on welfare in terms of the spouse in the house uh, efforts of this, this current government, even those those have been uh, knocked down by the courts. That's right. But no one, no one is going to go up to the rich mansion on top of the hill and say, who's coming to stay overnight? You know, right. so... Yeah, that, that's because the rich mansion on the top of the hill isn't asking for money from anybody else. Well, I would argue that they're taking money from all of us. Well, you can argue that's that all you, to be rich. can argue that all you want, but that's <laughs> another story today. Thanks yeah. for the call, Gil. Uh, we could spend the rest of the hour with the Gil telling us how much he doesn't like rich people, but there's not much point to that. Susan's up. Hello, Susan. Hi. Good morning. Um, I was calling because I was listening. I'm at a payphone. I was listening in the car, and I was a little disturbed by the comment that Miriam made about people adopting that they have this, um, that if they are thinking about putting their child up for adoption, or if children are adoption, adopted, pardon me, that they live this life of turmoil, the parent. And I think that we've missed the point here. The point is, it is a privilege to have a child. And we, as society, have every right to know who gets money and who doesn't and what those people do. As long as we, the government, are paying the bill for these people, we have every right to know what they're doing with it. Well, I th- and, and I think that it's, a, it's disgusting what she said personally, because anybody that was thinking of, you know, teetering on adoption and doing what's best for the child, not what's best for the parent, because who cares about the parent? It's the children that we care about. And it is our right, and anybody that was going to do that have heard her and maybe thought, well, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should go on, on mother's allowance and let the, the, the people support me. And I am very disturbed by it, and I think that it's a very gross um, misconception of, of what goes on out there. It is a very trying thing for people to give their children up for adoption. Well, they go through a lot. But you don't forget, they're doing what's best mm-hmm. for the child, and that takes far more guts and courage than it does to go on assistance. And that's all I have to say. All right. Thank you, Susan. You're welcome. Marion, uh, Susan made the point that having a child is a privilege. I'm, I believe that from your perspective, she's wrong in that. You would say it is a right, whether, no. you, can, whether you can afford it. Or, well, you, we, you don't have a right to have a child? No. 
I, I, I would prefer to see responsible parenthood, chosen parenthood. I would like to see every child who's conceived be a chosen child. We all would. We all would. I mean, I, 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 do, I do believe that. I also believe that that only happens in a world where there are no mistakes, where birth control is perfect, where no one is ever sexually assaulted, where no one is ever coerced. You know, abstinence is the perfect form of birth control. It works 100% of the time. And when people are in a situation of poverty, as Gil alluded to, or in a situation where they may be dependent on someone or increase their dependency on someone because of some actions they take, by us taking away the consequences of those actions, we are not improving society's lot. I don't believe at all that we take away the consequences. The consequences of being on welfare are very, very serious. Um, but they, they're not they, as serious as if we didn't have welfare. They're a lot better off than if, if we did. We'd have a lot more he infanticides in those situations. Yes, the consequences would be very serious. Well, you know, there's an old saying that's very true. He who pays the piper calls the tune. You know, like, and, and that's basically the bottom line. And if the government's paying the piper, the government's going to call the tune. And, and there's no escaping that with all the protections and laws you can possibly Even create. the Reform Party, even the Reform Party has not suggested that the government should step in and force adoption of children because... Of, 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 I'm of not that suggesting situation. that either. I'm, right. I'm suggesting, as I said at the opening of the show, that we have to make this person into a responsible adult, or at least put the pressures in that direction. Okay, let's go to the phones where Richard's waiting. Hello, Richard. Uh, good morning, everyone. Yes, sir. Um, I just, just uh, caught the last about 20 minutes of the uh, program, and I want to echo what uh, Bob has said in his last comment about, um, about there seems to be a lack nowadays with consequences of actions, whether you're rich, poor, or otherwise. And uh, I just wanted to throw out a, a, one comment uh, out for discussion, I guess, is that there, I haven't heard too much mention, and maybe I've, I've missed it, but too much mention on uh, the young, I'll use the term loosely, young men who may have uh, fathered exactly. these, these well, children, which probably, and through single-parent families, are, are probably more likely to be a, um, a, uh, a, a cost to society, whether it be through welfare or unemployment or medical issues or what have you. And... I'd like to suggest that um, through uh, blood testing, DNA, et cetera, that it is probably, it is very likely that we can determine who the fathers of these children are and that they should be held accountable, whether it be through, uh, and I'd like to see them held accountable financially, whether it be through adjusting their, their uh, social insurance numbers for tax reasons or what. And I understand that sometimes the young women don't want to be involved with these young men or older men or whoever for whatever reason, but they should still be held accountable, whether Maybe not for their own particular child, but for other children, and uh, that they could be somehow financially liable, um, and maybe a fund started or what have you. But uh, I like to see some some issue taken with the fathers of these children. Good point, Richard. Thank you for the call. Thank I you. Agree. We uh, actually have the mechanism through the child support uh, uh, office. Only if they're that, making that money, though. That. That's right. Only if they're making money. I mean, uh, if, 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 if it's a 15-year-old uh, child. Mm -hmm. who has conceived this child with another child, mm -hmm. you're not going to collect very much. Is it fair to some people to suggest that, okay, that's fine when he's 15, but when he's 21, we present him with a bill? It, it may well be. And, and I mean, those are, those are the kinds of options that we maybe need to look at. However, uh, let, me, let me just say, having been in government, the, the um, administration of a program such as Richard suggested or such as you're suggesting, Jim, is extremely high. Keeping track of people these days, DNA testing in and of itself is extremely uh, expensive. Prices uh, coming down, though, Mary. 
Well, it is, but but and you would a, still charge all these expenses to the people who are causing the incurrence of them. Well, so, we 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 now have uh, billions of dollars outstanding in child support payments from people who have admitted admitted that they're the parents of children. Mm. We start trying to track down other people and collect this money. Believe me, if we think the family uh, support office costs money, just wait. Let's go back to the phones where Ian's with us. Hello, Ian. How are you doing? Uh, oh, thanks. We fostered 62 teenage girls. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the thing that I find, uh, I'd like to dispute uh, Marion's statement that uh, they didn't know about birth control or something. We, we had a couple of girls who kicked their room apart because they they weren't pregnant. Uh, many of them were trying to get pregnant because it was a, I mean, their sister was on, their mom was on, their, a couple of their aunts, and uh, and also maybe because they wanted to keep their boyfriend, which that never works, of course. But um, I still don't advocate taking the child away from them. I, I think that they have to be taught maybe to be to be uh, decent parents. You can't just take the kids away, you know, take their children away. Can you, That's te not, can you uh, teach people who don't want to learn? And we can teach people who want to learn anything, but people who don't want to learn, can we teach them things? Of course. Look at math. <laughs> but, but it has become a problem. Do you know that in, in Quebec, 50% of the births are are, uh, are what they call illegitimate yeah, births? Exactly. Oh, the wedlock, yes. Yeah, and uh, I, I, it's not as bad in Ontario, but it's it's creeping up there. I don't know what the solution is, but you can't take away the children. It, it's not uh, it's not fair. Ian, if you, you've, if you've been involved with 62, fostering 62 young teenage women. Uh, teenage women, yes. Yeah. And, and uh, Marianne mentioned earlier, she was talking, none of us really had the figures per se about um, you know, the, the pregnancy being the result of rape, for example. Do you have any, uh, obviously unscientific, but can you give us any sense of, of these women, the young women that you came in contact with? Was that, was that a significant uh, problem uh, for many of them? Ne never one of them that, that we had. Uh, about a third of them became pregnant. and uh, while, while you were fostering them? The, uh, some while we were fostering them and some afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, uh, rape was not a factor at all. I appreciate the call, Ian. Thanks. Thank you, sir. Bye -bye. John joins us next on uh, Left, Right, and Center with Bob Metz and Marion Boyd. Hello, John. How are you doing, Jim? Fine, thanks. I, uh, I've got absolutely no problem with taking their children away because uh, I don't want to pay for them. Mm -hmm. And given the option of us not paying for them and giving up for adoption, no matter what Marion's thoughts on that subject are, mm -hmm. as bizarre as they might be, um, I just... I happen to live in a nice little subdivision where the NDP, in their infinite wisdom, built a lovely geared-income housing development to you know, kind of meld us into their little social ideal. And every morning on the way to work, I see their little welfare moms and their three and four children lined up for the buses in front of me, and it makes me ill. How do you know they're welfare moms? Because of where they live. It's rent-geared-income. That doesn't mean that they necessarily oh, no, are yes, in receipt have, of welfare. I know people that live in there, and I, they uh, actually built a house out where I live, and they know them all, and they start with one, and now they've got three. I have two children, because I can afford two children. They can afford none. It's not my fault. I may be smarter, faster, stronger. People have six that can afford it. Great. They're faster, stronger, smarter. But if you can't afford it, don't have them. And with modern technology and birth control, they don't have to have them unless they want to. And I've seen countless cases. My wife has a store, and I once stood there, and one girl said, gee, what are you going to do now, go back to work? No, I'm going to have another kid so I can increase my payments. I nearly vomited. And we're creating a situation where they actually make money to have children. 
John, thanks for the call today. I'm in the bill. Take care. Bye-bye. And Len's up next. Hi, Len. Hi, James. Yes, sir. Mary and Bob, yeah, I just heard your gentleman talk about young women wanting to have children uh, to increase their payments. Uh, I've worked, as Marion knows, with hundreds and hundreds of young women who have got pregnant. The the problem, Marion, is that they've already, when you, you made the point about them not understanding sexuality and birth control, uh, yes, they do. Uh, they, they, they really do know about birth control and uh, conceptions and all this. We had a sexuality course at my last school, and some of those young women uh, still got pregnant. And their answers to me when they came to me and talked about their pregnancies and their, and their choices, uh, you know, they, they, they admitted to me that, yes, we knew this, but to Marion, for a young woman to take condoms on a date means that she has to say to herself, hey, I'm sexually active, and she's not going to take those condoms with her. And she's not going to take the pill because that's uh, already premeditated uh, sex. So they're not well, going to do not, that. And it's not healthy either, we're discovering. Yeah, well, what the, the idea is, 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 to, is, to take, is, is to do this. So young women get pregnant. Uh, and uh, even know that everybody knows that you know it doesn't it doesn't come from the tooth fairy, all right. So the idea is where 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 you know and James the email about taking the children away. I don't agree with that. I agree with Marion that the young people that I work with that are adopted oftentimes not oftentimes sometimes see that they were rejected by their birth parent and uh, nobody wanted them. That that's a hard place to start. So I guess if we're going to start. Uh, the new Learn Fair program, uh, which I think will be wonderful in this province now, where young women who do have a child mm-hmm. will be will be forced to stay in school. And as Marion said, I hope the resources will be there. Mm-hmm. They'll stay in school until they graduate. If they don't come to school, their resources will be cut back. And hopefully, once they've graduated from school, uh, they will then be um, employable and go on to work. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I, I see the cycle will be broken there. Thanks for the call, Len. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Uh, I just want to say something very quickly about, come back to, and Len mentioned the comment again about the the trauma of adopted children. I can't speak to that because I wasn't adopted. But he just used the phrase there that, you know, like nobody wanted them. Um, I do have friends who are adopted, and the reading I've done about this over the years, the, the phrase keeps coming up when you're talking about the adoptive parents and the children that one of the things that they are encouraged to do is to remind these children how much, in fact, they really were loved. And that they were chosen. They were loved so much, they were chosen. Yeah. So I don't know just how much credence I give to the idea that, that this has got to be such a terribly traumatic thing that, Jesus, you know, I, I was rejected by my... Your birth parent was a loser. Get over it. You know, we love you. We're glad to have you. Let's talk about that when we come back. Okay. I think that's very important. Let's do that. We'll be right back after this. It's left, right, and center with Marion Boyd and Bob Metz. Now, do you want to pick up where you left off about Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be misunderstood to say every adopted child has, has trauma and hasn't come to, to, uh, to grips with this. But I do know that there are a large number of people we read in the, in the paper every week, people who are searching for birth parents mm-hmm. and birth parents who are searching for the children they gave up. This is a very big problem for a large number of people. It's probably a bigger problem where we in fact did take children away mm-hmm. when we look at the institutionalized abuse in the in the sense of the uh, residential schools mm-hmm. where we in fact took children away we adopted them out without the permission of their parents and and so on those those results are coming home to roost in a in a very big way but are they 
Are they coming home because, and, and I'm not defending this, because we wouldn't do it again, and I think we'd be right not to do it. However... But you were suggesting something very but, similar. But, but would we be having the same problems today as a result of residential schools if the people who ran those schools had been caring and compassionate and their, and their primary interest had been in, 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 in helping these young people to become happy, healthy, productive adults? Because that was not the environment in the school. That's so, true. So was it, was it the school that did it, or was it the fact that they were hellholes that was it, the problem? It's, it's both, Jim. If you, if you look at the, at the aboriginal research that's been done into this, the tearing away, the deliberate uh, destruction of people's cultural identity, language, uh, ties, um, customs, and so on, food even, uh, certainly had a, had a lot to do with the, the trauma as well. But leaving that aside, uh, even if you've got caring parents, and I mean, think of the story of, of um, um, Judy Collins, or think of Marilyn Shirley's story, mm -hmm. where the, the children are very happy. They, they continue to consider their adoptive parents as their parents. They have a very different relationship with their yes. birth parents. Yes. But they, they inevitably describe this as feeling more like a whole person because they actually know where they came from. Mm -hmm. And like a very important, very important to us in terms of, of health costs, they have a health history. They now know what kind of predispositions they have, which has, is not the case if you don't know who your parents are. Well, you could make the argument, though, based on our, what our emailer said today. You could say, well, that even makes is even more reason to take that infant away from that other infant and put that infant in a home where it has the maximal chance of growing up to be a happy, healthy, productive adult. And then at some point in the future, they can reestablish some kind of contact with the birth parent, who is now an adult herself, and perhaps ultimately everybody they don't win but nobody loses and that's the argument for open adoption uh, where the birth parent can have uh, can have some access that's part of the argument that's going on now around the the children and family services act uh, amendments uh, whether you can have what's called a, an open adoption with access um, the children's aid society will tell you that there are many young women who would be happy to enter into an adoptive arrangement if they could be guaranteed that they could have some access and some visitation rights. Right now, that's not possible. And, and that's, a, uh, that's something that has been recommended as an amendment. It's, it's very similar to what you're suggesting. Yeah, but the trouble with that, the problem with that, though, Marion, and you and I know, I mean, human nature, that young woman might very well say, well, I'm happy to give my child up for a better life now, but I still want to see him or her and have visitation rights. And then the young mom gets to be 18, 19, 20, 21, maybe gets married, maybe gets a job. Now they want the baby back. Yes, but the Supreme Court has recently made a finding that, that in fact, under those circumstances, that's not that's not acceptable. Someone has 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 signed those rights away. Well, good for the Supreme it's Court, sure finally. Hard, yeah, it's sure a hard lesson in responsibility. Uh, you know, the idea of taking a child away just because a person has a child under a certain age is repugnant to me, and I agree with Marion on that point. The only reason I can see taking a child away from somebody is because of abuse that's, that is proven that's or right. shown in a court. Uh, I think the bigger issue here is is we the taxpayers, if I may use that word in the collective larger sense, how do we get sucked into this whole thing and what is our responsibility and are we doing more harm than good by having social programs in place that actively encourage this. Now we've had a number of calls this morning 
basically every one of them refuting Marion your point that these are minority of situations where uh, where where people are making these decisions on purpose getting pregnant on purpose to take advantage of of the social system and I, personally that's been my experience but every time I talk to any official representative of any sort of welfare system and Jeff used to tell me the same thing as oh it's always a minority it's just one out of a hundred and stuff but I'd like to find who the majority is. We don't hear too many of them coming forward and not too many people talking about them. Well, um, that's because, of course, all of the, the media is focusing on your notion of taxpayer rights as opposed to citizen oh, rights. Oh, I don't think so. And, not community, the media and community responsibility. <laughs> I want to go back to something Len said. He said people know about birth control, but because they would have to plan ahead of time mm -hmm. in order to put birth control into place, and because I would suggest the pressure on abstinence tells young women that that's not appropriate mm -hmm. for them, they go unprepared because they're planning to be abstinent. It turns out in the course of things, and we all know things get hot and heavy and all the rest of it, that they don't abstain. But they haven't protected themselves because they went into the situation mm -hmm. planning to abstain. That's an issue we have to look at because it, 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 is, it, is, it is something that we surely should be able to understand. Um, you know, that, that there is a reluctance to be honest about what the likely consequences of having a close relationship are because of this pressure on abstinence. Okay, I want to save that for another day because I think that would make a great topic for a whole show. So we'll do make a note of that. Let's go to the phones where Andrew's waiting. Hello, Andrew. Hey, guys. Love the show. I was just wondering, uh, isn't, wasn't there something in place about uh, if you're on the system, you have a, a child, you're, you won't get benefits if you have another one? Weren't they talking about that at election time or something like that? Not in Ontario. There oh. are jurisdictions where that, some in the United States where that's the case. Oh, okay, because I think that'd be a great and thing. China, of course, where you're only allowed to have one child, period. Yeah, like if you have one child, well, okay, it's understandable situation. it'd be a mistake and they're allowed to go on the system, but once they're on the system, I don't think they should be, we should be paying for another one. Yeah. Appreciate the call, Andrew. All right, and, and, and Andrew, how are you going to resolve that? I mean, what do you mean we shouldn't allow them to have a child? What is that? Well, I think, uh, I suspect what he's saying comes back to the belief of some people that, that many of these young women do get pregnant on purpose. No, what I find He's trying to discourage that part of it. Marion has just identified state control as an evil in the situation of China. This is the same thing I'm saying in Canada, that state control is an evil here. Only here, state control is being more levied against the taxpayer to be forced to support these things. And now, is, it, is this not the same evil, Mary? No, it is not. Why, why is it not? Why, why is it evil for the Chinese government to prevent Chinese citizens from having more than one kid, but it's perfectly okay for our government to force us to pay taxes so that we can subsidize Robert, the kids of others? Robert, control and, over your body is very different than control over money. If control over money is control over my body. <laughs> That's absolutely, you cannot distinguish the two things. Well, Everything, I, I all the money I earned, I earned with my mind things. and my body. Everything and, and for you is result. money, 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 no, money, it's money. Not. It's Everything for socialists is money. They want other people's money. No. For me, I'm saying people should be able to keep their own money and that the issue of making a responsible adult out of a young person is to teach them how to earn their own money. And, and I don't have this pie in the sky, you know, I don't, I don't agree with the conservatives that this learn fair thing is going to work. I think, you, yes, you can force people to learn things and you can get them into the school and get them out of school after, but they're going to be the same person after as they were before. Nine out of ten will be. Not with supports, and in fact, research shows you to be wrong about that. What is missing for many young people, no matter what their situation is in their home, is a, a real connection to a significant other who acts as a bit of a mentor and a supporter. And one of the things that they are, that, that, that we have seen in programs, for example, the programs 
that are offered in some of our high schools here where there is real support for parents to go back to school. It's not forced, it's support there, the child care is there, the parenting courses are there. What we see is a real change in attitude and in direction by, by those young people. Um, where, where we blame people um, and, and, and stigmatize them for the fact that they've become parents while they're, while they're young, we find exactly the opposite results. Well, People I agree. We shouldn't be blaming them and stigmatizing them. We should just make them responsible for their own actions. And, and if you're telling me that I'm only interested in the dollars and cents, I would ask you what you're interested in because it, would you be happy then if we just eliminated dollars and cents and didn't give any money to these kids? Because then, then no. you... Well, then obviously you're interested in the dollars. No, I'm not interested in the dollars. I'm interested in the welfare and well-being of oh, but how, the... Oh, that doesn't have anything of, to do with money, according citizens. to your logic. You just told me that if my own money re applied to me is not part of my body and my welfare... No, no, my... But my money given to someone else is important to their welfare. I, I don't get that kind of logic. My priority is that as a community, we have responsibilities for one another. That if it's me first, me first, www.me all over the place, which is what we hear from right-wing politicians like you. Well, you know what we like hear from right-wing politicians? You're, you're telling me that i got to be concerned with the selfishness of other people rather than my own. I don't see that being any different. I don't see that. I'm not talking about selfishness. Well, sure you are. Self-interest and selfishness can basically be the same thing. Kids who want to have kids are selfish. That's just basically the bottom line. Like the one caller called about one of his foster kids. You know, well, I wanted they to ask about pregnant. that. 62 foster kids who became pregnant oh, third um, of them, while said. they were with them or subsequent to it. He wasn't talking about people who came to them as foster kids because they were pregnant. No. He was talking about foster children yeah, foster. who became pregnant while but they I were with them. I think his point was the attitude of the kids. What, I mean, when one of our issues is making responsible kids, I, I mean, we aren't always successful, however well-meaning we are. Mm. This is obviously a family that have opened their hearts to large numbers of young people to try and give them supports and even in those circumstances you know haven't haven't necessarily been able to to encourage a, a, a responsible attitude towards sexuality well maybe that comes back to maybe they're not going to be responsible you talked before about giving them supports here's a situation where they had supports and a third of them got pregnant anyway and he says I mean, from his discussions with them that this is not about coercion not about rape these are young women and again Ian said for the most part, that did it deliberately, which comes back to my original premise from talking to my nieces and a few years more, ago. The, the more you repeat it, the more did. people will believe that that's true, and those who have got themselves into this situation have absolutely no way of defending themselves because all of this mythology is out there. Well, how do we know it's a mythology, though? We don't. I don't have the numbers. You don't have the numbers. I've all all with, we have I've is experience. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of women, and I can tell you that, yes, there are a minority of people who take that attitude. I have never denied that. But I, I think to argue from the minority to the majority is, is, is false, and it is not the way to, to formulate public policy. Okay, let's go back to the phones. John, your uh, last word to you today. Hello. Yes, sir. Uh, there seems to be one vital, important part missing. Yes. Nobody ever talks about the father. Exactly. Has he absolutely no responsibility. No, in fact, no, in we, fact we, we, we did up. talk about it a few minutes ago, John. I'm sorry, it must have been in the car. No, it's quite all right. Yeah, we did talk about the father, and, and as Marion pointed out, bringing the fathers to accountability can be a very, very difficult and problematic thing, and a very expensive thing, too. Well, maybe that would uh, improve some of the social system. And no question. Thanks for the call, John. Bye. Appreciate it. 
I guess the um, to come back to our original premise then, and I think we are all agreed, we were agreed when we started that that was not a solution that's going to work, but it, it has allowed us to focus, I think, for this hour on some of the other parameters here, but I'm not sure we've got anywhere with it. It still seems to come down to whatever camp you're in, you're going to have a reason for this. If you're in the, in the religious camp, it's a lack of faith. If you're in the socialist camp, it's a lack of, of funding and resources. If you're at the, the capitalist uh, the camp, it's a, it's a lack of responsibility on the individuals. There seem to be plenty of reasons why this goes wrong, but nobody's got any real creative well, solutions. you say that in the socialist camp, it's a lack of funding and resources, yeah, which is money. Yeah, I would disagree with that. Because that's, you that's, that's my issue I would with disagree Marianne. with that entirely. I think we are all saying that if we have a situation here, it relates back to teaching people to act responsibly. I would say that very directly. I would say if we want young people to be responsible about their sexuality, we need to first of all be teaching them much more explicitly about, about what their responsibilities are, what it's like. Some of the programs, for example, that, that, that uh, require kids to be responsible for an egg or a you know for a period of time they is actually understand the money it part very, of that very responsibility successful. is is our giving them money part of teaching them to be responsible once once we have the care once community uh, the community has the care of a child who's in the care of a child parent yes i think we have to make sure that they have the wherewithal to have a safe home to have sufficient food to, to be able to, to exist i think that is a community responsibility would it be, wouldn't it not be better than marian to uh, to have community centers for these young women rather than setting them up in apartments, which seems to be the thing we do now. Wouldn't we be better off to have group homes for, for young mothers where they've got those supports built in, where there's security, where there's a certain, perhaps a certain amount of structure in their lives? Uh, wh why don't we look at that rather than, well, here's a welfare payment and here's a check for your apartment and, and here's the number to call if you need some help. There are models like that and they're sometimes successful and sometimes not. Um, I think uh, I think that's that that may be uh, an option that would become uh, more uh, more acceptable uh, over time. I'm afraid we've run out of time today. Thank you to both my guests. A very enjoyable and Thank interesting you. discussion today. Look forward to the next time our guests are here on the next edition of Left, Right, and Center. On tomorrow's program, we have Terry Jean Bedford. She is the dominatrix who lost that court case in Toronto, but she's not giving up. She thinks there's more to this than uh, the public generally knows, and she'll be our guest to talk about it tomorrow. Uh, Professor Catherine Campbell with Philosophy 101's in about uh, what makes people evil. And who knows what will grow out of that. You never know when the props here. Plus, we've got uh, Privilege in the Attic with the Gardeners, uh, open phones, uh, you know, all that good stuff. I hope you will join us. For Marion and Bob and Ryan and Kathleen and Christina and everybody here at 1290 CJBK, it's Jim saying take care of each other, mind how you go, and stay tuned for Ask the Experts with Robin Chris from Financial Strategies Group. Bye for now.